welcome to our podcast, Queerful Fears. I am your horror enthusiast, Sydney, a bisexual they-them femme. I'm your scary cat, Elsie. I'm a trans woman who's bisexual and uses she-her pronouns. And today with us, we have a special guest. I am a person named Jude who goes by she-they. Sorry, I laughed in the middle of it. Can you say that again? I am... (laughs) Sorry. I am a person named Jude who goes by she-they. Nice. This is our queer-centered podcast exploring different types of horror media. So welcome, and thanks for tuning in. This is our friend Jude. We worked with them at a place at some point. They have a lot of opinions on horror. I would say a lot of hot takes. I disagree. (laughs) I think all my takes are lukewarm. I do. I was going to say that I'm very excited for Jude to be here to talk about a horror movie with us because I do think you have hot takes, but I love them. Thank you. I feel like it's spelling certain doom to introduce somebody and be like, they have hot takes because that just puts so much pressure on you. I don't have any pressure because once I start talking, I forget about (laughs) it. That happened five minutes ago. Also, it's fine. It's fine. On this podcast, we are going to be discussing horror movies, anthologies, limited series, and YouTube series. We will be talking about them from our varied perspectives between someone who grew up loving horror and someone who grew up too scared to watch any. As always, we will be exploring our thoughts on themes, overall plot, favorite moments, kills, scares, how it made us feel, and so on, as well as the impact it has had on us as individuals, or on media, future works, and more importantly, the ways in which the media is relatable and impactful from a queer perspective. Today we will be discussing The Lighthouse, so spoilers ahead. The Lighthouse, released in 2019, directed by Robert Eggers, and written by Robert Eggers and his brother Max Eggers. Robert Eggers also directed The Witch. Is it The Witch or is it The VVH? It's The Witch, and this is his second film debut. Oh, is it a debut though, if it's the second one? (laughs) It's his second one. He already had the first one. (laughs) Uh, We chose this movie because... Neither of us had actually seen it yet, and it was, for me, an excuse to finally watch it. Yeah, I had really been wanting to, and literally Jude talks such high praise about it. We often don't have the sim- a similar taste in movies, but it just kind of hit different. Also, Robert Pattinson and Willem Dafoe. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that so, too. that's really all there is to it. As another anecdote, I haven't watched too many, like, artsy a24 horror movies yeah i didn't know what to expect from like a black and white artsy ass film we started and i was like it's in black and white i do think i am gonna kind of actually hate this but it's very good and it uses the black and white really well and it's really fucking funny you know why it uses the black and white really well because he filmed it in original silent film aspect ratio. Oh, shit. So it is filmed as original silent films were filmed. Oh, that's and dope. And meant to be seen. Mm-hmm. It should have been yeah, a silent film. Yeah, because it's the little square Yeah. When, you, when we watch it. Although, if it was a silent film, they wouldn't have been able to hear the great delivery of all the lines. Oh, no, I really like The fucking accents. <laughs> what is your experience with artsy ass? horror home movies (laughs) i love artsy ass horror shitty movies i watch too many of them most of them being gross and most of them having too many opinions and i love them i think lighthouse is really a good like beginner into artsy films because it really doesn't push itself onto you too much like it's a lot to take in but i 
feel like it's still really, like, digestible for people who are new to that type of thing. Yeah, like, I haven't watched a lot of the artsier ones, but I'm not unfamiliar with things being a little wild. So, it definitely didn't push any boundaries and it, too much for me at all. And it has big-name celebrities in it as well. Like, it has the fucking Green Goblin and <laughs> Edward from Twilight. Yeah, that's them. Who are kind of iconic for weird artsy films, though. Yeah, that's true. They're both really weird dudes, which is great. That's and part of... Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, you go. I was just going to say that's part of why it's exciting. Like, why I wanted to watch it was because I felt like watching them do a performance like that would be enjoyable even if it was like not my typical type of movie that i watch yeah because they're both kind of just weird dudes in hollywood so seeing them interact is really fun yeah and willem dafoe himself has like a history of theater so he's already a weird theater kid so him showing up in weird things is just like perfect yeah i haven't seen a lot of either of their stuff, but I know that Willem Dafoe's been obviously in the game a lot longer, but I don't actually know a lot about his background. I mean, by far my favorite role by him is as Ryuk in the American live action. <laughs> yeah, That's he's Ryuk. I haven't seen a lot of Willem Dafoe movies because okay. I feel like he's in a lot of serious stuff, and because... And I never really cared about Willem Dafoe until, like, a year ago or okay. whatever, when I was like, oh, this dude got weird, this dude got funky. <laughs> I, I fucking love him in this movie, though. He's, He's so fantastic. fucking good. But with all that being said, uh, we're gonna give a rundown of the plot, like we normally do. I'll just kind of run through it, and you can jump in. Basically, the movie starts out... With two men coming in on a boat, like we said, it's black and white, it's in that square ratio. You're not getting a widescreen view, but it works really well. And they are clearly the wikis, or the lighthouse keepers, coming in to switch shifts with the people who had been there previously. They come on to this rock, this island, and they start to tend to their duties and kind of get to know each other. Uh, it is worth noting, it is very clearly set in, what, the late 1800s? It's not modern times. Oh, no. Yeah, I don't actually know exactly what it's I wrote down when it was. Oh, yeah? Okay, yeah. cool. Let me open my little... My heart 1890s. Fuck oh, yeah. Okay, yeah, that, that makes sense. Basically, as they work, it becomes clear that there's some tension between them. Willem Dafoe's character, Tom, is basically Thomas is what he goes by. You don't really learn their names early on. Kind of takes a little while into the movie to know what their names are, but Tom clearly only really wants to tend to the light and doesn't want the other character, Robert Pattinson's character, going near it. And so Robert Pattinson clearly starts to get frustrated with like his back-breaking duties. While also it's kind of unclear what's real and what isn't like they seem a little bit like they might be losing it out here secluded just the two of them we know that they're out there for four weeks before their shifts are supposed to change as well do you want to take over i was just gonna mention that the lighthouse is clearly powered by gas with all the fucking gaslighting going on in that movie (laughs) pretty much like it's just a lot of robert doing hard work and clearly being a little bit uneasy about all of it and just not used to it and then Willem being like, all right, 
you're doing a shitty do- job, me matey, like, swab, and I said swab, and just very clearly a very strong power dynamic of Willem being strongly above him, and they just kind of don't like each other, there's the tension, as you mentioned. I think also, um, eventually, Robert Pattinson says his character's name is Ephraim, and he wants to be called Ephraim, and then, you know, even in that moment, Willem's character's like, oh, telling me what to do. He's like, I just want you to call me by my name. It's interesting that he's like, I want you to call me by my name. That motherfucker never asked for Thomas's name. He's like, I want you to call me by my name. Ephraim. We don't know Willem's character's name until after that scene. I think we know it before we know Ephraim's. I could be wrong. I'm not sure. I didn't rewatch it. <laughs> but I was trying to pay attention. I'm pretty sure the first name drop isn't until Ephraim's name is dropped about a half hour in. Entirely sure, if I'm honest with you, even though we just rewatched it. I was just gonna say it's also this dynamic of I think Ephraim wants to be respected for the hard work he's doing as well by the person who is very experienced and mm. the authority. Yeah, he clearly has daddy issues. Yeah. Basically, there's a lot of that kind of back and forth, and then it's their last day. At least Ephraim's losing it a little bit. And then he murders the seagull, which Tom has very clearly told him is bad luck and to not do it. He literally slaps him across the face and says, you don't kill seagulls. But he murders the fuck out of that one-eyed boy. Oh, yeah. Fucking. It's not nice. Yeah, I'm not going to make it. The only comparison I can make is a fucking Marvel movie, which I refuse to do, so never don't mind. Don't <laughs> lock up that little thought. But then the winds change. Oh no, bad luck has been brought upon them. The uh, storm rolls in, basically. The next day, they're supposed to get picked up, and they wake up hungover because Ephraim finally agrees to drink with Tom on their last night to celebrate leaving. And then he goes out the next day to throw their piss and shit, and it blows back in his face, and he's just fucking sick of being there. And then... The boat never comes. They never get relief. And things really, of course, take a turn at that point. Yeah, like, the, we see the next day, and Willem just comes into Robert's character, and is like, the rot's gotten to the rations. And he's like, what? Just use the other rations. He's like, no, it's gotten to all of them. He's like, we need to ration better. He's like, who cares? It's been a day. He's like, it's been two weeks. I keep telling you, Ephraim, it's been two weeks into ration and you keep ignoring me. And it's that's clearly when you get hit with the, hey, we might not have an accurate narrator. Yeah, it's not super clear who's losing it, if they're both, both losing it, like what's legitimately going on. And it's this very back and forth with their dynamic as well because, you know, they're having these arguments and... Uh, Tom's like, don't lose it. I don't want to be here with a loony or like whatever. And then they get drunk together and they're singing, they're dancing, they're having a gay old time. They're maybe gonna kiss, then they wrestle (laughs) instead. And the fucking arguments, but then also the way that they go off at each other when they're drunk. We'll talk about it then, but it is so fucking funny. It's so good too, because it just so clearly shows the feeling of isolation where you're it's like so clear that they have just 
such strong feelings all the time and they only have each other to express, express them towards. So it's just either really fucking angry with the other person or singing she shanties and dancing as she, she, she shanties <laughs> and dancing away. Yeah. And then um, it's been clear throughout that there's something haunting Ephraim from his past. And then finally the one day or night when they're really fucking drunk, he slips up. He, he starts talking about what? He spills his beans. He spills his beans. And uh, he he said his name was Ephraim Winslow, but then he starts talking about someone else named Winslow. And then he's like, can I trust you to Tom? And he's like, no, I can't trust you. But basically he talks about how when he worked on the lumber yard, which was his past job, he let a man die. And then took his name and his identity and moved on to be a wiki. And so this is let out and then now Tom also knows this while they're assumedly both going a little mad and th- I think that's when things really like kind of go off the rails oh yeah yeah also mixed in there like uh oh yeah and so his Ephraim's actual name is also Thomas which that's a really funny moment when he's like it's Thomas and he's like what he's like no it's Thomas and he's like what He's, or he's like, I. <laughs> then he's like, <laughs> he's like, no, my name's Thomas. He's like, no, I'm Thomas. <laughs> but it, his name's Thomas. <laughs> Thomas Howard, I believe I said. And so, you know, he's running from his past. And that kind of ties into some of the themes of the story, too. Then basically, like I said, things get a little wild. After he spills his beans, he has that, like, dream or vision or whatever that's him finding a body he thinks he's finding body parts of the old Mm -hmm. wiki he thinks that tom killed his old mate or whatever he was called and then ephraim tries to leave on the boat and then uh tom chases him with an axe trying to stop him he's like you can't leave me and then he claims that ephraim ran after him with the axe and things are just spiraling then it really goes bad when just, like, the storm really fucking hits them. They wake up, and then Ephraim finds the captain's logbook, or whatever the hell it's called, where Willem's character marks how he's doing, and Ephraim sees that it's pretty much... Shit-talking. It, yeah, he's just saying how bad he is at he's his saying, job. don't even pay him. Yeah, it's not to pay him at all. So he loses his shit, and then... And then, uh, <laughs> there's some fighting. Yeah. And some delusions. Oh, I meant to say, like, how he also keeps thinking he sees mermaids, too. Mm-hmm. He's, like, spun this whole story about these mermaids and sirens and then the old wiki that he's replaced and everything. And, like, he's followed clues that may or may not even be real. Mm-hmm. And then they they go at it and he makes Tom act like a dog. Mm-hmm. He becomes dominant over him. He's sick of being the one who's like the subordinate Mm -hmm. i guess and so he makes him act like a dog which is honestly really funny but then he starts burying him and then um willem's character speaks about the you know kind of why he doesn't want anyone else to go near the light and how it's like like this promethean Mm -hmm. thing i don't know how you'd word that a retelling of promethean yeah But, like, implying that the light, like, holds all that you could know. And that it would, like, drive people mad. But, like, he needs ownership of it. Mm -hmm. You know? 
And then Tom comes back out of that ditch, tries to murder Ephraim, and Ephraim turn, turns around and murders him. And then he goes to that light. After and, dousing himself in oil as well for some reason. Yeah, he looks into that bright light and he cannot handle what he sees. That's also, we'll, we can touch on it later, uh, that's what I feel like is the scariest part of the fucking movie is when he loses his shit and that distorted screaming starts happening. Oh, yeah. Um, but then he falls down on out of the lighthouse onto the rocks and is eaten by gulls. And that's the movie, in a nutshell. Also, I realized, like, I kept hearing Wiki and I kept wanting to go Sam Wiki. Sam Wit Wiki from Transformers is the name I kept thinking of. Oh, I just kept thinking of, like... Fan base wikis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Next is like the history yeah. of making the film an inspiration. Which I feel like you two will have a lot more to say about that than I will. I don't know. I know what I read. Okay. Yeah, if you have anything else, too. Uh, basically, Robert Eggers' brother, Max Eggers, was the one originally writing the story. And it wasn't originally the story at all, actually. It was supposed to be like this adaptation retelling of an unfinished Edgar Allan Poe work but then that just I that ended up not panning out because it was really difficult for him to achieve what he was going for I suppose and then when his brother joined in on the writing it took the turn to become what it ended up being for this movie they also took inspiration from a 19th century myth about an incident in Wales at the Smalls Lighthouse. Um, which I actually have heard about that before on one of my like, urban legend podcasts. That was where the guy went missing, right? I think so. And then there was like talk about mermaids. It's like kind of the whole siren thing mm-hmm. that I think was part of that story. And like whether like people going mad when they're like isolated like that. Vaguely related. Did you know that sirens traditionally, like, in their original definition, don't, like, sing and they don't, like, lure men sexually? They offer them whatever they want. Most of the times it's knowledge uh, in... It's either the Iliad or the Odyssey when they lure Homer in. It's offering him knowledge on how to win a battle in a combat. It's not always singing. Unrelated, but I think it's interesting. She's got her screeches in this. It's a beautiful The one that's song. on the rocks. I think they talk about, like, Odysseus inspiration. She is offering him something, though. Them titties. Them titties. <laughs> but also, like, release. She is offering him release. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of release. <laughs> There's a lot of sexual tension. There's I... a lot of not knowing how to go about your own tension and the tension in the room yeah the fucking the, when they just jump to the fish pussy scene where it's just this big ass fish <laughs> pussy i was like okay i was like oh and well, then also is he scared because it's a big fish pussy or is he scared because that's not the release he desires oh shit <gasps> whoa, whoa. <laughs> um i think I think it's because it's a giant fish pussy. <laughs> he does fuck it then in his mind. He yeah. does. He Which breaks you that see little, his little he, ass. He holds on to that <laughs> statue so hard. Snaps right up. 
Didn't you say there was supposed to be another part to that scene where it cuts to the lighthouse and then it cuts to... Oh, I said that too, yeah. Yes, that the light... There was supposed to be a scene of the lighthouse being seen as an erect penis and then it quick cuts to Robert Pattinson's erect penis. But then, like, I don't know, the producers wanted them to cut it or whatever because they're cowards. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This is an art house film. Yeah, give us the dick. Everything's on the table. Also, I mean, we know we can't get Willem's dick because, as everybody knows, we we can't have Willem's dick in cinema because it's too unrealistically big and they need to use a (laughs) penis double for him. That's an actual thing. No. Yeah, that's a thing. Willem Dafoe is known for having a huge dick. I need to... Wait. No, he he has to use a penis double in some artsy films. Are you, wait, are you serious? I'm. I, We've never seen it. Willem Dafoe's big dick. That's what I'm taking. <laughs> I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure. The man, the myth, the enormous dick. Required body. Yes, that's not his dick in Antichrist. Yeah, it's because literally they're like people would think it's He's fake. Been bamboozled. <laughs> they should just let his that huge wand be in the movie. Dick in Antichrist. No. Antichrist is a crazy art house film. I don't rec- I think you guys would absolutely hate it. <laughs> it does have Willem <laughs> Apparently not his pee-pee. The only other person I know about this for is that one dude from Game of Thrones. Uh, the dude who played Jon Snow in Game of Thrones. He was in the new Marvel movie as well. I don't want him having that ego, though. No. He doesn't deserve it the way Willem Kit Harrington, is. that's his name. Yeah, I don't know. He's hot, but Willem Def- deserves it more. I feel like I can't relate to Kit Harington because he, I just think of Game of Thrones, whereas Willem Dafoe, I can relate because he's just absolutely insane. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's a wild man. Mm. Wait, did you ever see that, um, so you know those people who do, like, street interviews and ask people what they're wearing and what the price point is? Yes. Kind of, Willem yeah. Dafoe was in one of those, <laughs> and he didn't know what anything he was wearing was, and they were all, like, $5. <laughs> and I love that. Uh, this is Faded Glory from Walmart. Uh, my shoe says... <laughs> got I got it all from the thrift store. Okay, this is you can tell. You can tell when you see how he dresses <laughs> on the streets. I'm somewhat of a porn star myself. He is. Uh, I reposted that today, it's but it was I'm big. I'm somewhat of a hot trans myself. Oh, I did see. That. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, the next part, which we already started to kind of move into, but we're just gonna talk about the movie as a whole and like you know our favorite scenes, what we enjoyed about it, what parts were scary to us, etc. I'd start off by saying it's not necessarily, like, a scary movie mm-hmm. at all, but I think it's definitely still horror because there's definitely horrific events within it. I, I want to touch on, before we get into individual scenes and whatnot, just like okay. the overall vibe. Well, yeah. Uh, the Foghorn does such a good job of putting you at an unease, I feel like. Yeah. And then also, like, I realized, I was like, oh, shit, that's why they shot this in black and white because... The scenes where you just see somebody's eyes, it hits so fucking different in black and white than it does in color. Because it's just grayscale can be evil. In color, it's just like, it looks like they're looking at a beautiful crack in the window or some shit. And this, mm-hmm. it's it's scary. Black it's and white allows you to express a lot more mm-hmm. with people's faces and whatnot. Also, because it's based off of, um, similar to movies like The Babadook and... Caligari, the cabinet of Dr. Caligari, 
It's based off of the German Expressionist art movement, which is black and white art that has very striking, like, very dark shadows, very light lights, and allows you to express certain emotions with very obscure imagery. Yeah. I, we talked about that, like, a tiny bit with, because we did the Babadook last time, just, like, they wanted to do that movie in black and white, but then it just didn't pan out, but the original short film of it is in black and white, and it's very clearly inspired by those mm-hmm. things, especially in some of those scenes, because they show some of those black and white movies and then, like, yeah. edit the Babadook into it, but I do think that this movie is definitely very visually stunning, and yeah. I really liked it. Especially the seagulls. <laughs> I was gonna say, I was gonna say that one part with the seagulls. Uh, we do love them. I don't care. <laughs> if you look in the background, any scene with seagulls where he's not directly interacting with them, they are very clearly just birds on a string. And I love them. It's so good. But I love that one-eyed boy. Oh yeah. And I love him as well. We, we love Patchy. <laughs> he just wanted to pick a fucking fight. And I love when Willem's like, I saw you sparring with a goal. Saw you sparring <laughs> with the goal. <laughs> now, is it supposed to be implied that when he threw the rock, he hit that goal's eye, and then it was the same goal coming back with a missing eye? I believe so. Okay. I think his eye was missing already. Wasn't it? Uh, yeah, because he didn't actually hit him with the rock. Okay. He just it made it flow, fly away. Okay. He kind of missed. Which is why Willem, like, giving him a hard time is kind of funny. But he does murder it then, so... Yeah. You know. Uh, so in case anybody is wondering, does the bird die? Uh, yes, the bird does die in this movie. Well, quite graphically. Yeah. It's not, I think, even though we're talking about the black and white being more expression, you know, you don't get all the guts. Yeah. It's clearly. <laughs> with that. He's also just slamming it off a rock. Yeah. So. Robert Eggers isn't really that type of guy, though. He's not really, like, a gore or, like, focus on, like, crazy detailed aspects of death yeah he's more of a symbolism type of guy no i got that <laughs> watching he's an this. artsy fella mm. i love that man i need to watch the witch because i have it's so good he has he's like the only director on my letterbox who just has a five star rating oh, because shit. he only has two movies <laughs> and he, he did has, a good job he has short films but i haven't watched them what were your favorite scenes I mean, my favorite scenes <laughs> are a lot. <laughs> any of the fucking monologue scenes. They're all so fucking good, so well executed. I also want to say, like, going into it, of course, um, I did think I'd like it for some reason, but normally I don't think I would have thought that. And what I really didn't expect was for it to be fucking funny. It's so funny. And it's so fucking funny. And, I mean, they're really good at playing those parts. And it just... I just didn't expect to like all the monologues so much and all of the conversations because some of the time... Especially if they're talking in, like, older English or something like that, I have a hard time following. But I think it was done really well that I followed it just fine. No, I mentioned this to Elsie before, but I think that's one of the great things about it is you don't even have to understand what they're saying for like the majority of the movie to understand like where we're at in the movie and what's happening yeah i would agree yeah even if you don't fully because like re-watching it i kind of understood some of it a little bit more because i paid a little more attention to the specific words and i'd already seen the whole thing 
that, like, like, his monologue where he's talking about how he wants Ephraim to be, like, smite, like, he wants uh, Poseidon to, like, smite him down was, like, a little bit easier to follow, especially since it does kind of prophesize how mm-hmm. he actually dies. And it is connected to his role, which is Proteus. He's oh. meant to be he's meant to be Proteus from Prometheus. Okay. Who is like related to Poseidon in some way. Yes. I did read about some of that because I'm not super knowledgeable. No, in these I things. had to look that up too, because mm-hmm. I really don't know that much about like mythology and all that. Yeah, when I did look at it, like on I mean I really just kinda of read over the Wikipedia, but it does a good job of kind of explaining all that. It makes sense. Mm-hmm. And I think that probably would have been even cooler if I knew those things. Um, no, yeah, I think the monologues are, like, easily everyone's favorites because, one, they're just really funny and so well acted, and also Robert Eggers himself has said that he was so obsessed with writing the monologue for Thomas Wake that he had to cut down so much of his dialogue because he would just spend days writing, like, little dialogues for him because he thought he was so funny and such a fun character to write for. That makes sense. I think I like Ephraim's monologues a little more, but it's just because the one where he finally, like, fully fucking loses it and goes off on Tom is, like, he's like, you smell like jism and you smell like curdled dick. Curdled foreskin. Oh, whatever. He says he says something about dick and then curled foreskin or whatever, but then he's like, and you farts. His accent makes everything he says It's so good. He has a very good accent. I also read that like he like worked really hard on figuring out what kind of accents he wanted them to have, too, and like what kind of like way of speaking he wanted them to have. Mm-hmm. And I, I think I, it works really well. Yeah. It's like a really good job. Yeah, that's probably my favorite and then the one where like, the whole conversation about his cooking because oh they're like what 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 what, what? what? <laughs> then he's like if I had a steak I fuck, fuck it, it. <laughs> and it's so funny because one time I made this post where I was like I was drunk and I was eating pizza and it was like my first time eating vegan pizza and I was like I'd fuck this pizza <laughs> wasn't it it wasn't even like straight up like pizza cheese. with vegan cheese. It was just pizza without cheese just on the it. Worst pizza <laughs> it was. It was, and I was just like, "This is incredible." Cut to me at work whenever they get pizza for everybody, and I just take one. I just scrape the cheese off do you of do it. Do that. I do yes. when I'm really hungry for it, and then like, I'd be like, "Give me your crust." I think I did. She does take. Yeah, I take your crust. I love that for you. It's a good. But no, my favorite scene is the hypnosis scene, oh, which yeah. is when um, Wake will, or Thomas Wake, naked, grabs Winslow by the arm, and it's just and he has the light beam shooting mm-hmm. from his eyes, which is to reference um, Schneider's art piece, Hypnosis, who is an iconic gay artist. Ooh, no, didn't know that. Sasha Schneider. Yeah, I know we talked about this. I didn't realize this until we rewatched it. I I just think this is interesting. That's referencing an art piece that wouldn't have existed at that time, which I yeah. th- just think is an interesting dynamic. Yeah. Yeah. I think what I read was just that he wanted to incorporate it, co- incorporate it because he 
liked it. it really, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it does look really fucking cool. Oh, it looks mm-hmm. so It's like good. this whole fever dream thing. I love the start of that, too, where he's like, why just billion beans? Yeah. And then it goes down that long, creepy hallway, mm-hmm. and then it kind of turns into that. No, the atmosphere in this movie is so good. Yeah. Yeah. And, but there's just a lot of... Oh, I like... I kind of like the way everything's kind of split up into these little chunks, almost. Like, there's the whole part of him fucking whacking off, but then his mind keeps jumping between, like, the mermaid that he found, and then he's holding the statue. So, like, he's trying to get off, but then he's also thinking about how that, you know, that man died, and he left him to die, and then I think there's, like, another thing he's cutting to as well. The head of the... Oh, yeah, thinking he's finding, like, uh, pieces of a human around. I shouldn't say the head he imagined. The head that he saw, we don't know if it's real or not. Yeah, I I don't know. I don't think it's real. I don't either. So, everything up until the third act of the movie is what's happening in his perspective and his mind. Hmm. So, the the third act is where we just get the story. Everything else is Winslow's understanding of what Thomas Wake is telling him. Mm-hmm. So if you notice, whenever Thomas Wake says something, like when he warns him about the seagulls, or he says something about the old person, that's when Winslow starts to imagine things a lot more. Because hmm. he's very influenced by what Thomas tells him. Because he really has... This is his first time on the job. Yeah. So every little myth that Thomas tells him, like, the more frustrated he gets, the more that stuff comes up. Yeah. It's definitely a big influence on his perception, like you were saying. And then when Wake is, like, telling him it's been weeks and all these things that he's kind of, like, almost knows the power he has and is, like purposely kind of gaslighting him or pushing him to go more over the edge Mm -hmm. i don't know if that's maybe because he wants that power over him but it's still interesting their dynamic in general uh Uh, just like wow the way this demystified doing manual labor i know not a lot of people like manual labor but seeing fucking robert pattinson literally have a headband over his head so he can carry fucking shingles up a ladder and then also just Willem Dafoe holding him on a rope while he whitewashes an entire lighthouse and then falls in a bucket of Willem Dafoe's jizz. What? Uh, the, I, I was joking. Uh, the, oh. the whitewash. <laughs> yeah, it's on his face. Yeah. Um, so it does kind of look like that. Well, there's a lot of, like, phallic oh, yeah. stuff, yeah. obviously. They um, call, they refer to the lighthouse in the script as like a penis i love that i love that like that's in the script (laughs) the movie's actually the movie was tried to be released as the penis not as the lighthouse which also gotta give a credit to robert eggers with every movie he does he builds sets himself to perfection because he wants everything to be so accurate to the time period films are in he will not settle. He's a little Napoleon on the scene. He has to build everything historically accurate. Everyone has to speak historically accurate. And I love it, that. Yeah, it works out because it really makes everything look that much better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it does look really good in this one that I've seen. Yes. It's okay. You're halfway through. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Do you have any favorite kills? <laughs> Those seagulls. <laughs> oh, God. Honestly, I just, I like the ending. I he do. reaches into the light and screams. And <laughs> screams. He just goes wild. I do like um, Ephraim's killing of Thomas. Mm-hmm. Uh, specifically because, like, it is, them fighting is a little drawn out, but when it actually comes to the part where they're fighting, it's just, it's very done and final, and he's over with it. Like, it's just, it's very much killing. He's ending it. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. It's done. It's not like he lingers over and he's like, I'm convinced this is what I need to do. It's killing your gods to move on with the world. Yeah. Do you want to talk about uh, what you were going to say about the like the ending being scary? Oh, yeah. Hey, that shit was so upsetting. Like, that's the... Well, not upsetting. It's just wild the way he like starts to spasm and shake. Um, while screaming and it's just distorting. I don't know what it is about distorted screams, but they make me oh, so yeah. unnerved. It's like, both times we watched it, I felt the need to go up to our TV and turn down the volume because it was just upsetting me. And it just keeps going to the past the point of it being unnerving. And then it just falls down and dies. Mm-hmm. I do... Distorted noise definitely can get me. It makes me very unsettled. Especially if it's accompanied by... Like what? Like the type of imagery that it is can be could be a lot. Mm-hmm. I feel like art house films utilize that a lot. I forget which movie it is. There's a movie in specific that there is like a specific sound, like frequency, that is known to make everyone feel uncomfortable and paranoid. Mm-hmm. And that movie utilizes it like the whole film. To control how you feel, and I feel like a lot of like scenes like that kind of utilize that because yeah, it's forcing you to have the reaction they want. I do think that sound can a lot of the time, at least for me, be even more effective than potentially visuals, because like in the Babadook too, like the thing that unsettled me the most was like his voice when he was like, like right there, mm-hmm. like like. Just, yeah, voice. the type of voice that it was. Just sometimes the noise are just like um, like when they utilize like really sharp like loud violins get random points in horror movies. I love that because it really does just like oh shit, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's that's a lot. So yeah, I was one of the scenes I forgot to mention is after the first time Willem solidly yells at Ephraim, like says like. I, it's the floor scene, I believe, where it's like, scrub it again, and I'll make you peel up, suck off all the nails, and put it yes, back together. like a sperm whale. Yeah. So the next scene is Ephraim uh, wiping down the basins at the bottom of the lighthouse, and mm. the way I interpreted it is we hear it slow, like you can hear it very clearly and starts to speed up, and it sounded like, what is it called? The, the front part of a train. The front part of the train? Yeah, the actual engine of a train. I don't want to say steam engine. Uh, I don't know the engine of a train. No, hold on. Front of... I don't know any part of a train. Isn't a steam engine a type of train? It, it's a very classic train. Whatever. Um, it sounds like a steam engine train powering up. Like, it's slow. Like, it goes the... And... I'm, 
that like made me feel like things were about to fucking ramp up, which it really was because that's when tensions start to get higher and higher. Mm-hmm. That's. I think sometimes you also like expect the worst when anything's trying to get you to feel. Yeah. Like it's ramping up, so I think that's an effective thing for you as a viewer, mm-hmm. too. Um, I was just gonna say, like, we normally ask, was this scary for you? No. Um, I was unnerved and uncomfortable at scenes. Like, to the point of kind of wanting to look away, so I would say that's scary. And then the final scene, that did scare me, and I did have a little bit of an issue falling asleep that night. Really? Yes. It wasn't, it wasn't traditionally scary, though. No. Me? Oh, yeah. Did it scare me? Yeah. <laughs> no, but not because it's not a good film. Because I do, I have a whole thing where I hate people deciding and writing off horror movies based on scary or not. Because oh, yeah, fear yeah, is no. so subjective. And also a horror film doesn't necessarily have to scare you for it to be horror. Mm-hmm. But also, I just, I don't know. I, I like movies that make me upset. And so most of those just make me happy. So that's what makes me very happy. (laughs) Yeah, as like, as we normally say with like someone who really likes horror and someone who hasn't always watched it or enjoyed it, I think that this was fine for us to watch together. And I, no, I mean, it didn't scare me. And it wasn't scary to me, of course, but... It was definitely still a really good movie, and I had a really good time watching it. And um, nothing made me super uncomfortable or anything, like, where I will, like, cover up my eyes sometimes or get really uneasy. I was just, like, excited to, like, see where things were going with it. And I really enjoyed the journey of going through it. And like I said before, visually and everything, I I really liked it. I remembered what the train part was called, a locomotive. Um, I do know that train. Yeah, Mm -hmm. the locomotive powering up. Nice. I will say, look, this can be a scary movie for people, because I know there's one movie that I remember scared me so bad, and it still does kind of scare me, and I know it's not, like, for a typical person who, like, watches a lot of horror or something, they might be like, this wasn't scary at all. But for that movie, it touches upon loneliness, like, a lot as the horror. And that movie scared me so bad. I, like, couldn't sleep. So I could see how this one could also, like, if one of the subjects touches on something for you. Oh, yeah. It could scare you really bad. Yeah, especially their isolation. Mm-hmm. And the the questioning of your own mind. And, yeah. Oh, my God. And perception. Yeah, that's fucking rough. But, I mean... <laughs> You know from living with me, said like, how often I genuinely don't remember doing things because of my ADHD, like, setting things down, like, thinking I've done things, I've sw- I swear I've done them. Yeah. I fucking related too much to Robert Pattinson's character in this, where he was like, it's been two weeks, what do you mean, Métis? Yeah. Like, yeah, no, it's very unnerving. But there's definitely a moment where I was like, what? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, I'd agree, like, I think for me, some of that stuff touches a little harder with the like your brain playing tricks on you or mental health or stuff like I because last time I said like the Babadook is kind of hard for me to get through just because of the themes and the dog dies so that one's harder for me 
And visually, it's really cool. But I could see that not being scary at all to someone else Mm -hmm. who maybe is only really frightened by, like, gore or something. Mm -hmm. It's definitely super subjective. Like, you know, my favorites I don't find very scary. Yeah, I don't think a lot of my favorite horror films I'm scared of. I don't think that that at all makes a horror movie. I think... I mean, a lot of them don't scare me. It's just whether it upsets me or makes me uneasy or not. Yeah, I like, I'd say the horror films I like watching now, I, they don't scare me that much. Mm-hmm. Like, they're not traditionally scary ones. But, like, when I do watch a d- traditionally scary one, I'm like, this isn't a good movie, though. I, <laughs> like, not even just jump scares. Just, like, I don't know, like, any of The Conjurings, um... God, what's the one with the eye? And is it a conjuring or is it just a movie with an eye? Uh, it's by the same uh, director. Are you talking about Insidious? Insidious. In- oh, an eye like the letter. Yeah. Oh, so, I have, oh my god. Yeah, I was thinking of an eyeball. I haven't seen Insidious. So. See, I really, really like Insidious. I hate the conjuring. I I, I'm willing to give Insidious a chance because I haven't seen it. I. It's better than. I hear a lot of people say it's better. Yeah. Maybe it's because I just also haven't seen a good one of those movies in a while because the Conjuring verse has gone to absolute oh, shit off at the this rails. point. I yeah. mean, it's the marvel of the horror world. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I I think traditionally horror franchises don't know when to stop. No. And the that's, verse. That's what they do. <laughs> and you know, there is a thing though where there's like all the really bad middle, but then if they keep going off the rails, it does hit a sweet spot. For me, that sweet spot is Jason X, where Jason from Friday the 13th goes to space. I have not been been there yet. Or Jason Takes Manhattan is actually a better experience, but both are solid and beautiful to me. I'd love to find out. Did you know that Jason Takes Manhattan is a prequel to Escape from New York? Yeah. (laughs) Did you know I had a friend who made um, a photo of her father? taking Manhattan in the Jason Takes Manhattan font and movie poster because he visited Manhattan one time. Next we would talk about, like, the themes. Which, I mean, we've kind of touched on throughout, of course. Andro-eroticism. What? Andro-eroticism. Please elaborate, I don't know what that is. Andro-eroticism is the sexual attraction to masculinity itself. Ooh! which is one of the major themes that Robert Eggers wrote about during this film, which is pretty obviously shown throughout between those two, where Winslow is very obviously submissive and Thomas is very obviously dominant. Yeah. And Robert has even discussed himself that... What did he say? He He called him daddy. No, he said that Winslow needs a daddy and that... Thomas is oh, yeah, that yeah, daddy yeah. for him. Yeah. So it is. I wrote kind that of down like, in the queer part. <laughs> yeah, but it's also a weird mixture of like daddy and like attraction, but also a father figure. Yeah. He is both of those things, which is kind of where the masculinity comes from. Yeah, that 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 makes sense as a way to kind of overall. He's also, like, grossly masculine. Like, he's not, like, big macho. Thomas isn't, like, big macho man. No. But he is, like, grossly, like, stereotypical masculine. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah, he pisses when he farts. Sometimes he... Country <laughs> <laughs> girl. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> but, well, yeah, because even, um... Come to my barn. 
Um, Ephraim says about him almost being like this parody of like a masculine sailor captain guy too. And he is. Yeah. No, he is. He says that and I'm like, damn right. Get him. Get him Winslow. (laughs) You're not saying any lies here. Yeah, I was gonna say about like, um, also the struggle of like identity and with that his guilt for Ephraim at least. Because I know when I was looking at um, the wiki as well, like reading through everything, they talked. He talked about one of the main themes being like struggling with identity, um, especially with him basically taking an identity that wasn't his, so he could get the fresh start and run away. But he really couldn't do that because then it manifests within him this guilt that makes him not even know what's going on around him or who he is or who the people around him are and he doesn't know what to trust or believe because he doesn't even know what he's doing or who he is and when he gives his little rehearsed explanations for like oh just wanted to try different work so then one day i'll find something i like and then i can settle down uh wake is kind of like oh you know given the same little monologue like Like, I haven't heard that before. You're just gonna tell me what you think I want to hear. Kind of calling him out, too, because it's kind of clear that Wake doesn't believe that he does know who he is or what he's doing, which I think is also why he's like, I'm gonna tell you what to do. Because I see this weakness and this struggle within you. I love Wake. Mm. He's a funky guy. I I like the way he toots. He's just a toxic little toot and root and cowboy, and I love him. He is such a pirate, though, and I, I do is. like that. Um, there's also, I don't know if you want to talk about this, too, because you might understand it better than I do, with, like, the Promethean and, like, these, like, mythology ties in, tie-ins. Oh, like, that, I thought you were about to say a big word. I was waiting for that big word. No, that was that was um, with the words. I thought that was a... Uh... I couldn't remember the word before. Now I remember it's called tie-ins because you were talking about mythology themes. I don't know. No, yeah. So yeah. I did write down, oh, Wake, good. Thomas Wake is Proteus, like I said before. But the interesting thing about that character is that he's a prophecy-telling ocean god who serves Poseidon. Okay. So it is, Wake is prophesi- prophesizing everything that's going to happen. And he does curse him. Yeah. With Poseidon. Yeah. That's Which, like, again, very direct. Yeah, try, kind of makes Wake, again, seem like the only one who knows what's going on. Because he's here telling prophecies of what's to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know we're not supposed to tr- trust Wake, but I do trust him with my life. I believe <laughs> him. He's out here gaslighting. And he's me, such a little shit. Me, a submissive, like, Robert Pads that is going, yeah, oh my god. <laughs> That seagull's gonna get me. Also, his monologue about the light, too. Hmm. Um, he says something about Promethean and Prometheus. Oh, yeah, because that's the fire. Yeah. He lights the fire that Prometheus wants to take. Didn't you okay, say, yeah. Didn't you say Willem Dafoe was absolutely miserable during that monologue? Yes. He's so, has got dirt in his mouth. Yeah, it was like the second or third day of filming. It was like the very beginning of filming, and it was very cold water he was in, and like they kept shoveling dirt in his mouth, and he's like freezing. And Willem Dafoe is just a little old guy. <laughs> he's, he's so tiny. <laughs> he's, he's just, just a like, frail old man. <laughs> he just wants 
say his monologue. <laughs> I will say, Pro- Proteus is a god, right? Or a yeah. titan. I think um, it said godlike. Yeah. Which means he's a god to me. Um, all the shots looking up at Willem Dafoe, like, there's a strikingly large amount of those in this movie. They do make him look very godlike, which I think is... I mean, he takes his god form in the movie. When the The house... The No, when Uh, the house is flooding, he has... Oh, when he's the kraken. Mm -hmm. Yes, I did notice that. Mm. Yeah, he turns into a little tentacle man. When they're Robert's fighting. like, I'm out of here. Yeah, yeah, because he does, and I'm like, oh, this is that representation of him being, like, this person who would communicate with Poseidon and, and prophesize things. And you love that, because merfolk representation is so important in modern yeah. media. Like, they're so underrepresented. I mean, I learned things. Yeah, we got to see his Kraken pussy. Yeah, we got to see a realistic mermaid pussy, which, like, you know, normally the ones you see are so trimmed and tiny and delicate. Yeah, I'm not really... Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No, I agree. When I was a kid, I had a book on (laughs) monsters, and there was no siren pussy. (laughs) And I said, where's the representation? Mm -hmm. Where am I in this equation? I don't see myself in her. (laughs) But then I saw that giant pussy right on the front of her, and I said, there I am. (laughs) I said, that's what my stomach looks like. (laughs) No scales. And then Robert ran away, and I said, now I'm upset. Now I have problems. Mm -hmm. That's me fighting with my identity. (laughs) I'm I'm sorry for your struggle. It's okay. My pocket pussy. (laughs) Uh, they say something about, like, St. Elmo's as well, right? Yes. And that, like, being what the light, like, represents. Because the light, I know that has to do with Prometheus, right? That the light basically represents, like, this, like, knowing, like, this... Knowledge. Knowledge. But, like, overwhelming Mm -hmm. in, like, what you find. Which is why when he goes up there and sees it, he, like, screams and falls and dies. And his little tummy gets eaten. I don't, I'm not too familiar with the myth, but I know, like, bringing knowledge to man is typically, knowledge or fire to man represents, like, letting them grow and lead to leading better lives, but also leading to massive, not monstrosities, massive. Like war? Yeah, war and just terrible things that they commit, so it could have been interpreted as he's seeing all the terrible things that mankind will commit. He's seeing what Proteus sees in the fire as a prophet. Mm Mm-hmm. I think even though, I guess, Wake was, like, kind of selfishly keeping it for himself because well, you said something about, like, you felt like it symbolized, like, his love. Oh, of, yeah. Well, he also fucked it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, He's in love with that. <laughs> I just realized, I thought we were supposed to think that he was fucking a mermaid or some shit up there. I just realized that's one of his fucking Proteus tentacles that we see that are slimy and curling along. Oh, okay. He a little mermaid up there. No, I did because he just saw the mermaid and I was like, is that a mermaid tail? What's happening? Yeah. He getting it with the mermaid too? Everyone's fucking this mermaid. <laughs> I know. There's one mermaid. Yeah, but he loves that light. I know you were saying something about it seeming like, you know, his longing and his love for like the sea. Because oh, yeah. he said about like never loving something as much yeah. as like the sea. And then because of his leg, he couldn't mm-hmm. go on ships and stuff anymore. So by protecting the light and loving it, he helps guide others through the sea, which is something he loves so much. So mm-hmm. he wants to protect 
the light so much because it represents the sea to him. Yeah, and I think also having the power of oh, the yeah. light too, and the knowledge and the control. So then, and I also think, I also think he probably thinks that Winslow can't handle it, and it's because he can't. Yeah, <laughs> he's just not. He's not ready. He's not a big man like him. Yeah, big man. All right, we're gonna move on to the queer stuff. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm. All right, everyone. What's gay about this movie? Nothing. When they fuck. <laughs> I think this movie, this movie was shockingly gay. Oh yeah, no, I didn't expect it to be this fucking no, gay. It's ingrained into it. I was taken aback. I was like, I hope it's kind of gay because that's what our podcast is about, and also I like when things are gay. And then I was like, "Fuck, this is really fucking it's gay." Just an iconic queer film. Truly. Yeah. I, I hope wrote. people remember it as an iconic queer film. It is. It does. I think the whole thing about, what was that big word you used? Oh, androeroticism. Yeah, I think that lends to that idea, mm-hmm. first of all. Because um, that's kind of gay. <laughs> yeah, and because Winslow's really not, like, a masculine character. Yeah. Like, he's just kind of, like, I don't know. I don't want to call him anything, but... He, compared to Wake, he's not this masculine, like, sailor-type guy. He's struggling to get all this work done. Yeah, he doesn't want to buckle down. He's kind of a housewife. He's kind of a bottom. He's kind of a male wife. Well, he is a bottom. I was going to say, it's very much a dumb and... It's very much like a dom-sub type of relationship. Mm-hmm. And they I think they make that very clear, especially mm-hmm. at the end when he's like, I'm going to forcibly switch our roles and we're going to literally have puppy play. Yeah. No, yeah. they do puppy play. And mm-hmm. it made me laugh so hard. We're, we're like, I, he's like, Bach. And then he's like, Bach. And then he's like, and then he literally is like, yeah, and barks. I was like, oh, that's good. I know. Willem Dafoe's in character. He's dog now. <laughs> and then he's crawling. And he's like... <laughs> I was Which, like, I was like, you dragging Willem Dafoe across the ground? Old man Willem Dafoe making him crawl to go do a monologue <laughs> where we you throw know? dirt on him. I was like, damn, Willem Dafoe will go for it in these roles. <laughs> he said, this is how I live my life. Mm. <laughs> I crawl into my dirt hole. <laughs> I get called it. gay. <laughs> I will also say the isolation element. Just it. I haven't seen all of Brokeback Mountain, but oh. just the two men alone doing a laborious gay. work. <laughs> gay. It's as gay as it comes. It's traditional cowboy gay feeling. Well, when you're alone, when you're isolated on an island, who is there to judge? Mm-hmm. Jack, Fish but pussy. that mermaid <laughs> who won't even fuck him. Why is there? Just a- will scream. Women won't even fuck me. Do you not even? But Willem Dafoe. <laughs> Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> you just won't take all your meds. I, I keep all... finding them on the floor. I, I, hiding them for Gizmo. <laughs> I had all my pills in my pocket last night, and so you pointed that one, and I was like, "Oh shit!" And then I went through my pockets, and I was like, "Okay, most of them are." I'm like, "Oh shit, I need another estradiol." So I had to go out to the kitchen and get another one. I've been looking for it. <laughs> <laughs> Also likes to throw her medication on the ground. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> what were you saying about fucking Willem or something? I don't know. Something about fucking Willem. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. I'm sure I'll have another thought about fucking Willem. <laughs> I mean, we could literally go back and listen. Nah, I don't know. That's cheating reality. Yeah. Yeah. That's not true to myself. This is 100% <laughs> I personally real. refuse to listen. <laughs> 
Um, I think I was going to say something about their dynamic to branch off. Something else we were saying. Oh, I, wasn't I saying he was a male wife? Yes. <laughs> oh, no, I started talking about... Um, uh... We talked about the Dom sub, puppy play, crawling on the ground. <laughs> I was we comparing... talked about the puppy play male wife. <laughs> I think you were going off of... Brokeback Mountain comparison. You oh were saying about isolation. Oh, yes, yes, yeah, yes, yes. Now about once isolation starts, the boys will play. Mm. Yeah, okay. I was going to say, yeah, when no one's there to really criticize you or see it, what's stopping you from actually just doing Dude, what you want? watch Brokeback Mountain and have me on this, and I'll talk about what's scary about Brokeback Mountain. <laughs> I was say, As oh. a super fan of Brokeback Mountain. I do want to watch Brokeback Mountain. I also was going to say about... Um, yeah, the whole daddy thing. And then also, like, Wake calls him pretty. Oh, yeah. Too. yeah. He's like, like a lady's eyes. And I'm like, are you hitting on him? <laughs> pretty as a picture. Yeah. yeah. This is like a little flirty sometimes. Also, besides all of that, it's gay to love Robert Pattinson and Willem Dafoe, point blank. Yeah. Yeah. The gays love him. They yeah. do. So it had to be kind of gay. You'd be letting everyone down. I feel like they're both specifically lesbian icons. Well, I don't think Robert Pattinson can play a straight person. No. I don't want him to. No. It, like, he literally tried playing a straight person, Edward Cullen, and it was the worst performance of his good. life. Yeah. That wasn't good. <laughs> and even then he was a little gay. Yeah. <laughs> he can't help it. It's just who he is. A gay. <laughs> <laughs> is he bi? We don't know. I'm doing it research. could say he is, but we don't know uh, that. Shut up, I'm doing research. I had Willem Dafoe big dick. <laughs> 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 what are you gonna look it up before me? I don't know, I just have ADHD, so I went oh. to my phone. Very specifically also is the part where they literally almost kiss. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. A lot of it's very gay undertones, but that's where it like culminates a little bit, besides the puppy play. It's very yeah. much like I was, like, shocked. I was like, you almost fucking kissed him. Mm-hmm. And it was, like, uh, it, again, uh, definitely lends into, like, a power play type of dynamic, of course. But, yeah, Wake goes to, like, because they're slow dancing together. Mm-hmm. They're, like, the camaraderie when they're drunk and having a good time is honestly makes me really happy. Because mm-hmm. it's super cute. And I'm just like, yeah, have your moment to just relax. <laughs> And then they're like, sl- well, they got into like an argument, right? And then they're slow dancing. Or they were dance, yeah, they were like, they were jigging like really yeah. hard. And then all of a sudden they're like tired, the slow, slow jam dancing. Came yeah. And then, um, yeah, but he goes to kiss him and then he's like, no. And then they fight, mm-hmm. which is also gay. Yeah. <laughs> And I mean, he wants him to drink the entire movie. He he's wanted, trying to get him. He wanted that kiss the yeah. whole movie. He's trying to get him to lower his defenses. He said, please, drink my love potion. He said, if I can't gaslight this girl boss, fuck, if I can't gaslight this girl boss into opening her gate for me. Stop. <laughs> then I'm gonna fucking kill her. Uh, and, and I think we also just already mentioned, like, all the phallic yeah. stuff. Yeah. They're fucking whacking it all the goddamn time. Oh, yeah. Time. Oh, yeah. They're masturbating. They almost get jizz on him from Wake fucking the light or whatever. Oh, I don't yeah. Know. I don't know if that's his tentacle slime or jizz or what, but I it was nasty. It was oh, yeah, yeah. 
Well, at first it definitely seems like it, but then like a lot glops yeah. down, and I'm like, what is well, that? That's just Willem Dafoe's big thing. <laughs> 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 it's got a lot in there. It actually, it's from last time because it takes so long to get out. <laughs> <laughs> Ew. <laughs> that's why he smells like. <laughs> <laughs> What a stinky man. Well, I mean, like I said, Robin Pattinson breaks that fucking mermaid statue he has. He fucking wanks so hard. Well, yeah, so he's, hard. well, I think he's, like, rubbing on it really hard, yeah. and then he, like, can't, so he gets really mad and, like, throws it. Yeah. And then he's like, shit. And I'm just like, damn, bud. Get pussy. He can't. He can't. He can't yeah. do anything. No. Yeah. It's fucking useless. We really missed out on the scene of Robert's erect penis. I no. think that Truly. really I think that really would have shed some light for us. On whether he's gonna... straight or gay. <laughs> that yeah, is a gay straight. man's dick if I've ever seen it. I didn't understand the movie without that scene. <laughs> I didn't get anything. I thought it was just a funny movie about mermaids. Yeah. And then I read that there was an erect penis scene and I said, Oh, androeroticism. <laughs> I'm glad I didn't know that term now. I know. <laughs> Gonna be the smartest gay in the room. <laughs> yeah, honestly, I was like kind of nervous to talk about the movie because it is more artsy and symbolic and stuff, and like it sometimes that makes me feel stupid. But I feel like I was really able to like understand and follow this, even if I didn't have the background from like the mythology that was being referenced. It wasn't that hard to like understand once I read like a small snippet about it. Mm-hmm. And it was nice to have all of us weighing in on it too. So I'm glad you were here for this one because I know you're a little more acquainted, acquainted. <laughs> with um, these with types the of films. <laughs> <laughs> with the art insults. Somebody actually goes to school for this. <laughs> um, now we just do a couple little things that are supposed to be a little more fun, especially to bring like levity, although this was pretty funny. We talk about who in the cast is like most fuckable. Because there wasn't really a monster or a bad guy. It's more psychological, but yeah, who's fuckable? Robert versus <laughs> Or the mermaid, versus fuck, Mary, the... kill. <laughs> All right, versus yeah. that mermaid, fuck, Mary pussy. Kill. Um, oh, yeah. In character and everything. In character. Oh, fuck. They're all adults. Easy. So. Fuck Winslow, Mary, wake, kill the mermaid. <laughs> Easy. I so, don't know. I kind of want to get in on that mermaid pussy. That's a, <laughs> I can climb mermaid. into that pussy. It's <laughs> so big. You could. You just go back in the You know in movies when like people have to hide in like a dead Yes. <laughs> you just dove in there to hide from Robert work. should have hid from him. <laughs> uh, fuck the mermaid. Mary Wake, obviously. And then wow. kill Ephraim because like he's going to kill me otherwise. Listen, I kind of like, what are we calling him? What kind of wife? Oh, a male, a male wife. wife. Oh, yeah. I kind of like a male wife. I like someone that I can uh, have, like, power over. Um, I wake like energy. <laughs> yeah, I, I need to have the You're wake like, energy. I can't fuck wake because I am wake. Exactly. And, like, he gets murdered anyway, so I think I'd kill him. Sorry. Um, I just want to take his place, though, because I want to get that smooch. So I'm going to... Um, Marry Ephraim actually so that I can keep getting those images and then I'm gonna fuck the mermaid because as I said I'd like I'm interested in uh what 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 that's about the what she has button. to offer yeah mm-hmm. truly and we can fuck underwater and it, I can like go on a ride it could be cool mm. and as someone who loves horror you get to live the experience of her <laughs> screaming at <laughs> you like the deafening you, screech you can 
literally be drowning in pussy. Oh, yeah. wow. Mm-hmm. She's really cool. Top I, 10 like jokes. Fucking <laughs> 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 Unwatch <you>. mojo. <laughs> <laughs> we also talk about doing recasts. We don't mm. normally do a good job of that, though, because we don't. So I, far, we haven't wanted to recast them. I cannot imagine. If you're imagine. forced at gunpoint to recast these people. Okay, I got if it. If I have a gun. This time. If I have a gun. God, what's his fucking name? <laughs> I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do. You have a phone. Christopher Walken as Wake. <laughs> James Franco. No, but James Franco. Actually, I have a hot take right now. I haven't had any hot takes. I don't like Christopher Walken. Oh, I don't. Ev- you don't like Christopher Walken? He's all right. Oh my god. Usually, like, I, like, I don't like Christopher Walken, and then you're like, wait. Well, what? usually I get roasted alive for that. He's like, people love him. He's like an icon. He's like funny. I just literally, I was like, there's some, there's one person who I always sometimes confuse with Willem Dafoe. Yes. And it's Christopher Walken. I have to think on this. Okay, better idea. Steve Buscemi oh. as Wake. Oh. No, 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 no. That's good. No, that's good. That is good. Steve. Okay, so yeah, Steve we Buscemi. Timothy oh, oh my God. Oh yeah, yeah. You have to go for one white boy, the white boy of the month this month, the last <laughs> year's white boy of the year. <laughs> no, those are good. Literally, the mermaid could be anyone. It could be Anne yeah. Hathaway, and I would still feel the same about that mermaid. Yeah, oh. yeah. Uh, I recast the mermaid as Willem Dafoe. Oh, good answer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, I would love that. <laughs> Yo, you're good at it. <laughs> wait, okay, Christopher Walken. Oh, I haven't seen him in a lot. No, what did you say? Steve Buscemi. Steve Buscemi, that's right. Oh, I love that. No, I just, I had to look up what he was in. He's in Pulp Fiction. But he's in Hairspray as the, oh, yeah. the dad. And mm-hmm. that's like... Oh yeah, let's just do hairspray. It's John Travolta as the mermaid. (laughs) (laughs) And it's no, it's still Christopher Walken. It's still Timothy Chalamet. (laughs) Timothy Chalamet as the mermaid. It's like slender little like porcelain. He really is a male white. That's what I'm saying. Honestly, though, Steve Buscemi does give off sailor vibes. He does. Especially like tired esque oh, sailor tell. vibes with his eyes. Steve Buscemi and Willem Dafoe were cut from the same cloth, which was a cloth of genius and beauty and elegance. <laughs> yeah. oh, just unhinged. Uh, favorite characters. I feel like we know where you stand. Yeah, Willem Dafoe. Not Wing. <laughs> Willem, Dafoe. Willem Dafoe. I. In all his forms. <laughs> Ephraim Winslow. He's your favorite? Yeah, I mean, I said I'd kill him, but he's. He's our narrator, and I really, I think it's, he does a good job, and he's funny, he's interesting. I like Ephraim because he says he'll fuck a steak. Mm-hmm. He is an icon, and, and he is the moment. And then when Wake goes on a whole monologue about prophesizing how he wants him to die, calling to the heavens, he's like, all right, I like your cooking. Yeah. I'm like, I love you. All right, I like your lobster. <laughs> like, I like your cooking. Um, products placement. Did you spot any product placement in this in movie? This, this black and white set in the 1890s. The Coca Cola on the table. <laughs> yeah, definitely. The doctor. The brand of that crab catcher thing. Mm-hmm. The only fans on the computer. <laughs> the, Specifically, Christopher Watkins. You can tell it's his because of the dick. The Marlboro that Christopher Walken, or not Christopher Walken, that um, Wait kept smoking. <laughs> you were just saying Christopher Walken. <laughs> What? The Marlboro oh. that Christopher Walken kept smoking. 
I love at the beginning, they're like staring at the camera in like that first shot of them. I also love that shot, first mm-hmm. of all. And then second of all, he puts his pipe in his mouth, but it's just upside down and then he just yeah. walks away. <laughs> like, I love this so much. Uh, I probably really liked the uh, Flying Dutchman pipe tobacco for uh, Christopher Walken. From Spongebob? I just said Christopher Walken. <laughs> I thought that was on purpose. It was not. <laughs> I guess we have to put Chris- Christopher Rock as the head. In the- <laughs> I love that. He's, one of- he's dressed as the seagull. Oh, <laughs> yeah, he's the one eyed seagull. What's that? Squawk. What's that movie Christopher Walken's in that he's a cat? Cat? No, he's like a cat. In this- Unlike cats, he's a cat. Wait, can we go I know what you're talking about. Yes. Yeah. Sorry. I think we're done with everything we wanted to talk about. So I just wanted to finish it quick so I don't have to cut all this out. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. Any uh, any last words, shout-outs to any part of the movie we didn't talk about? Are you going to say something? I was going to say shout-out to Christopher Walken, and then I held it in. (laughs) (laughs) Exquisite. Why don't you tell us what we will be talking about next week? Next week, we will be watching Alien. I think we'll have a lot to say on that. I'm excited. Yeah. Um, until then, this has been Queerful Fears with your hosts, Sydney. And Elsie. And our special guest, Jude. Until next time, say goodbye to your fears and hello to your queers. Thanks for listening. Bye, queers. Bye, queers. Even though we just said to say hello to your queers. Say bye. <laughs> bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>